multitudes of sincere and trusting believers are caught in the virtually invisible web of religious captivation in charismatic and other neo-Pentecostal churches and don't know it. They are unaware victims of spiritual abuse and exploitation perpetrated under the heavy hand of hyper-authoritarianism, that is to say, the leadership of the church group of which they are a part is dominating, controlling, and manipulating their followers, thereby exploiting them for personal gain and private kingdom building. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Horror stories of authoritarian abuse and exploitation and psychological enslavement in bona fide Christian churches abound. From time to time, particular isolated incidents have erupted in highly publicized news stories. However, those high-profile cases are really only the tip of the iceberg. The truth of the matter is, as several decades of my counseling ministry to hundreds of victims bears out, ecclesiastical enslavement and exploitation is widespread in certain sectors of Christendom in this nation. And it is vital to understand I'm not talking about radical, fringe, religious sects and cults, but well-respected church groups espousing otherwise orthodox Christian beliefs, whose membership is comprised of a cross-section of average Americans, individuals, and families of every race, education level, station, and walk of life. Though religious predomination is certainly nothing new, and hyper-authoritarianism is by no means limited to the neo-Pentecostal branch of the church, it has, however, especially flourished in the charismatic and so-called second and third wave, that is, neo-Pentecostal groups, since it was infused into the very fabric, foundation, and functions of that branch of the church in the early to mid-70s. Moreover, it is the charismatic branch of which this ministry has been a part since its inception, which gives me not only the right, but also the duty to bring reproof of error and errancy in that realm. Many church leaders themselves do not realize their leadership methodology is actually a hybrid form of hyper-authoritarianism, 
and amounts to domination and control. The proper role of human under-shepherds is to lead people to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, and teach them how to be his followers in submission to him and his authority. Hyper-authoritarian leaders instead lead people to themselves and indoctrinate them to be their followers in total submission to them and their authority. In essence, these dominating shepherds teach they are the church members' Lord, Master, and Savior. They indoctrinate congregants to believe the spiritual leaders of the church themselves are the members' quote-unquote spiritual covering, and any member who ever leaves the church will be quote out from under end quote their quote unquote covering, be without any covering, and experience terrible curses and consequences as a result. This false hypothesis of absolute submission with which subjects are incessantly indoctrinated is the bedrock of such authoritarian doctrines. That, coupled with the enslaving organizational authority structure in place in the groups where these unbiblical doctrines are espoused, is primarily what makes these techniques and mechanisms effectual and effective. And it is chiefly the spiritual and psychological needs and problems of attendees of these groups that makes them vulnerable to such unauthorized domination and control, as well as exploitation. The mechanisms of psychological manipulation, domination, and control employed in these groups are virtually identical to those employed by certified cults. Indeed, the stark truth is that many of the groups and churches who employ these techniques and mechanisms are themselves at the very minimum quasi-cults and in some cases bona fide cults. The abuse and exploitation occurring in groups where these hyper-authoritarian systems of governance are instituted come in various shapes and shades. In a nutshell, the dumb sheep are taught they cannot trust their own judgment or ability to receive direction from the Lord for even the most mundane decisions of their lives, but must rely instead upon the supposed transcendent wisdom and superior spirituality of their human shepherds. Typically, subjects must obtain the approval of their group gurus regarding virtually all domestic matters and decisions, matters of romance, such as who members date and marry, health and insurance matters, employment and career matters, and most of all, regarding every detail of members' personal finances, which requires their leader's approval for practically every significant expenditure. Relentless programming with this premise along with constant bombardment with belittling derision leads to spiritual and psychological paralysis for submissive adherence. Gradually, as the hidden web of religious witchcraft is woven and their natural resistance to such domination and control is dissipated, Docile subjects eventually become unwitting and helpless psychological slaves of self-aggrandizing church leaders and their grandiose plans for building of their private, personal, earthly kingdoms.
This is Stephen Lambert. We trust you're enjoying this episode of the Real Truth Podcast. You can submit your comments and questions at realtruthradio.com. Chapter 3 The Signs of Authoritarian Abuse and Common Control Mechanisms There are a number of common psychological control mechanisms or methods employed in church groups in which hyper-authoritarian doctrines are espoused and the attendant practices are implemented. There are also a number of readily identifiable signs indicating that a group is laboring under the heavy hand and oppression of authoritarian abuse. We will examine in this chapter both the control mechanisms and the signs of authoritarian abuse. But before we get to them, I want to briefly discuss the reasons behind the efficacy of these conditions and practices. Overall, their existence and efficacy has a great deal to do not only with the intrinsic nature of the doctrines and practices themselves and the seductive powers of the leaders of these groups over their adherents, but also the nature of the spiritual and psychological problems and needs of the individuals who become their unwitting victims. Generally speaking, people seek out and begin attending a church because they have spiritual needs they hope to have met, as well as problems for which they are seeking solutions in the teachings, ministry, activities, and interactivity of the church to which they become affiliated. As unfortunate and unconscionable as it is, it is these very personal needs and problems that these cult-like groups prey upon and exploit with their intricately designed mechanisms and machinations of psychological predomination. The ensnarement of these psychological captives is analogous to that of the helpless prey snared in the almost invisible silken strands of the spider's web. Immediately upon coming into contact with the silky strands of the meticulously woven and intricately designed web, the unaware prey becomes a powerless prisoner, possessing little chance of escape. In fact, the more the ensnared prey struggles to escape, the more the web's bands collapse upon him, further securing him until the spider can reach the now disoriented and exhausted victim and inject him with the paralyzing venom that will finalize his fate. A study of the numerous books on cults and false religions that have now been published readily reveal that the techniques and mechanisms of psychological manipulation, domination, and control employed in these groups are strikingly similar, and in some cases identical, to those employed by certified cults. Indeed, to be frank about it, Many of these groups and churches employ these techniques and mechanisms so overtly that they are themselves at the very minimum quasi-cults, and in some cases bona fide cults, 
Despite the dismay and vehement denials their leaders and followers alike express when confronted with the similarity of the doctrines and practices employed in their own church to those commonly employed within these certified cults. The thing that utterly astounds me in the matter is that even when you provide proof positive to adherents that these unbiblical and cult-like teachings and practices are an integral, albeit covert, part of the fabric and foundation of their own church, ministry, or network, many react with angry and vehement denial, staunchly refusing to accept even the remotest possibility that such a thing could be so of their beloved church or ministry, and opt rather to remain a captive in what has become to them the familiar and friendly confines of the institution of which they are a member. This sad scenario bears striking similarity to the admitted mindset of many career criminals who have become such complete psychopathic derelicts that they prefer and choose institutional incarceration over the liberties and latitudes of a normal life of freedom. Nevertheless, my constant and abiding prayer, and indeed the objective of all the protracted and tedious labor that has gone into the production of this volume, is that God may grant some of the captives of these groups the, quote, repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will, end quote, 2 Timothy 2, 26. It is toward the accomplishment of that goal that I delineate in this chapter some of the more salient signs and symptoms of authoritarian abuse, as well as the most common techniques and mechanisms of manipulation, domination, and control employed within these groups. To describe them so explicitly and precisely as I do will seem to some judgmental and censorial, especially to those to whom they will be as a mirror reflecting their own attitudes and conduct, as well as those who are or have been adherents of organizations in which these doctrines and practices were or are espoused and employed. But criticizing and condemning the perpetrators and participants is not the purpose of presenting them, nor is that my place or even desire. Rather, the purpose of clearly identifying these signs of authoritarian abuse and religious enslavement, as well as the attendant common control mechanisms, simply is to enable readers to recognize them so that they can avoid entities wherein they are manifested. My role here is to spotlight these patently erroneous and spiritually harmful doctrines and deeds, and it's God's role to spotlight the motives and intents of the heart of practitioners in order to lead them to repentance. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? 
time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if he would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. The Signs and Symptoms of Authoritarian Abuse The following are some of the general signs and symptoms or common characteristics of hyper-authoritarian groups, churches, networks, and ministries. Bear in mind that the list is by no means exhaustive and that these are general rather than exact descriptions. Number 1. Apotheosis or de facto deification of the leadership, exalting them to godlike status in and over the group, often to the extent that the leaders become a mediator between the people and God. Number two, MLM-like multi-level authority government hierarchy chain of command. Number three, absolute authority of the leadership to the extent that the effect is a suspension of independent thought and Berean-like examination of Scripture to verify the correctness of the teaching of the leadership. Number four, no real accountability of the leadership to the corporate body, resulting in a repressive, monarchical, autocratic dictatorship or oligarchic form of government. Number five, hand-picked subleaders based on their demonstration of submissiveness to the ultimate leader rather than on the basis of their leadership skills, spirituality, and anointing, and appointment by God. Number six, pervasive abuse and misuse of authority in personal dealings with members to coerce submission. Number seven, paranoia, inordinate egotism or narcissism, and insecurity by the leaders. Number eight, abuse, misuse, and inordinate incidents of church discipline, particularly matters not expressly mentioned in the Bible as church discipline issues. Number nine, personal materialism, covetousness, and self-aggrandizement by the leaders, particularly when the personal lifestyle of the leader or leaders is well beyond the median lifestyle of the membership, and that lifestyle is underwritten primarily from donations received from the membership. Number 10. Members and or subleaders must make a, quote, spiritual covenant, end quote, sometimes a signed covenant agreement 
pledging their total and everlasting commitment and financial support to the leadership and church-slash-ministry. Number 11. Partitioning of the congregation into smaller groups that are led by internally raised up and appointed lay leaders who have not been anointed or appointed by God for leadership within the church, i.e. fivefold ministers. Number 12. Financial exploitation and enslavement of the members, often by requiring or coercing them to donate well beyond their means and biblical principles. Number 13. Inordinate attention to maintaining the public image of the ministry and lambasting of all critics. Number 14. Doctrinal demeanment and devaluation. The biblical requisite of espousing and teaching sound doctrine in accordance with Scripture is demeaned and devalued in order to justify or suspend evaluation of unorthodox or unproven doctrines and private interpretations of Scripture taught by the leadership. Number 15. Theological incompetency by the leadership especially with respect to the accepted rules of hermeneutics and biblical exegesis employed in the formulation of doctrine, giving license to twisting and adulteration of Scripture in order to provide proof texts for unorthodox and self-invented doctrines. Number 16. Spiritualism, Mysticism, and Unproven or Anti-Biblical Doctrines. Number 17. Abuse and misuse of prophetic giftings as a means to dominate and intimidate. Number 18. Devaluation, disallowance, disregard, and displacement of the true fivefold ministry within the church. Number 19. De facto legalism, or works mentality, and its resulting loss of the, quote, joy of salvation, end quote, though freedom is forever preached from the pulpit, and the church is constantly touted as being a, quote, unquote, safe church by the leadership. Number 20. Esotericism. Hidden agendas and requirements revealed to members only as they successfully advance through various stages of quote-unquote spiritual enlightenment, which in fact is really unorthodox, unproven, indigenous doctrines. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshiper. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the Word of God to the world, the Real Truth Radio Network at realtruthradio.com. Number 21. Isolationism, Corporate and Individual. 
especially with respect to exposure to outside ministry sources. Number 22. Performance-based approval and promotion system of members predicated on, quote, proven, end quote, loyalty, i.e., submission to the leadership. Number 23. Devaluation, suppression, and non-recognition of members' bona fide God-given talents, abilities, gifts, callings, and anointing as a means of subjugation. Number 24. Requiring members to perform menial tasks such as cleaning toilets, setting up chairs, and acting as the leader's personal valet or slave as a supposed means to humble them and teach them to, quote, obey their leaders, end quote, or to evaluate their willingness to, quote, submit to authority, end quote. Number 25. Constant indoctrination with a group or family mentality that impels members to exalt the corporate life and goals of the church group over their personal goals, callings, objectives, and relationships. Number 26. Members are psychologically traumatized and indoctrinated with numerous improper fears and phobias aimed at keeping them reeling in diffidence and in over-dependence or codependence on their leaders and the corporate group. Number 27. Corporately, there eventually develops an inordinately high incidence of financial, marital, moral, psychological, mental, emotional, and medical problems, including sudden deaths and contraction of incurable and unknown diseases. Number 28. Lack of true personal spiritual growth and development, especially in terms of genuine faith and experiencing the abounding grace, forgiveness, goodness, blessings, kindness, and agape love of God. Number 29. Members are required to obtain the approval or witness of their leaders for decisions regarding personal matters. Number 30. Frequent preaching from the pulpit regarding not getting out from under the quote spiritual covering of the leadership by leaving the church or group or disobeying the leadership's dictates and demands of you. Number 31. Members departing without the prior permission and blessing of the leadership leave the group under a cloud of manufactured suspicion, shame, and slander. Number 32. Horror stories frequently told by leaders about individuals or families who left the group without the prior permission and blessing of the leadership and the terrible consequences and curses they suffered as a result. Number 33. Departing and ostracized members often suffer from various psychological problems and display the classic symptoms associated with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. If after reading this list and recognizing doctrines and practices your church or ministry is engaging in, and you have great difficulty admitting it, even to yourself, then you are definitely brainwashed and under the spell of, quote, deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, end quote, 
And these demonic lies are, quote, seared in your own conscience as with a branding iron, end quote, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. And that means you need deliverance to be set free from Satan's bondage and deception. It also means you are deceived about who you are serving. You are not serving the true Jesus, who is the one who died to set the captives free but rather you are serving false gods, idols, which is idolatry, which means you are an idolater. And idolaters do not inherit eternal life or have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Read Galatians 5, 20 and 21 and Ephesians 5, 5. The only way for you to escape hell and eternal punishment, and enter into heaven and the kingdom, is to repent. Then run from your captors and rush into the arms of the true Jesus, who died to set the captives free. Quote, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible, and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose.